A Minute of Civics is produced by WFHB in partnership with the League of Women Voters of Bloomington, Monroe County. This is George Hageman with the League of Women Voters of Bloomington, Monroe County, and I'm here today with Ann Birch, who's also with the League. Hi, George. Ann, I'm in the middle of a neighborhood dilemma. How so? I convinced my young neighbor to take a special civics class in school. Well, in short, she's unimpressed. She says it's boring. I'm not the most popular person with her these days. Wow, does she realize that civics and government, not to mention the history behind them, play such an important role in our lives? No. She's having a hard time seeing past memorizing the capitals of all 50 states. Well, they just haven't gotten to the good parts yet. Maybe we should give her an example. What do you have in mind? Let's take the 19th Amendment, the amendment that gave women the right to vote. The history is very exciting, and of course, the result changed the U.S. political landscape forever. Women had been actively fighting for the vote since before the Civil War, but it wasn't until 1920, after a lot of work by suffragists, that Congress passed the amendment. All that was needed was for 36 state legislatures to ratify it, which basically means to approve it. Considering how women were viewed in the early 1900s, convincing 36 states to approve such a monumental change would have been a considerable challenge. Indeed. But by August 18, 1920, 35 states had ratified it, 8 states had rejected it, and 5 had not voted. Just one more was needed to ratify the amendment before the 1920 presidential election. The two main suffrage organizations, the National American Woman Suffrage Association and the National Women's Party, pinned all their hopes on Tennessee. Why Tennessee? The suffragists knew that other southern states were firmly against the amendment. In Tennessee, it passed the state senate but stalled in the state house. That summer, thousands of pro-suffrage activists descended on Nashville to try to influence the house vote. So did thousands of anti-suffrage activists, many of them women. What? Why would women be against having the right to vote? Change is scary, and a big change is even scarier to most people. Many women felt that women having the right to vote would harm the family and adversely affect their lives. Okay, go on. What happened? Well, on August 18th, the State House was packed. Pro-suffrage people wore a yellow rose to signify their allegiance. Anti-suffrage people wore a red rose. Feelings were very high as votes were counted. First, a motion was made to table the amendment, but this was defeated with a 48 to 48 tie. The speaker then called for a ratification vote. This must have been nail-biting for the suffragists because a similar tie would mean deadlock and essentially the death of the amendment. It all came down to the vote of Harry Byrne, a young legislator who wore his red anti-suffrage rose proudly. Everyone knew how he would vote, but as history shows, he voted yes thereby ensuring the adoption of the 19th Amendment. The crowd in the State House must have exploded. Cheers from the pros, anger from the antis. What a hullabaloo. Whatever happened to Harry? His fellow lawmakers must have been pretty mad. As the story goes, Harry fled to the attic of the Capitol and did not appear until the angry crowd had dispersed. Why did he vote yes when everyone expected the opposite? This is one of the best parts of the story. On the morning of August 18th, Harry received a note from his mother, who urged him to vote for the amendment, imploring her son to, quote, B, 
be a good boy and help Mrs. Cat, who, as you know, is a well-known suffragist leader, put the rat in ratification. Obviously, Harry listened to his mother. Indeed. The amendment that so many thought would threaten the American family passed on the plea of a mom. Now that's not boring. A Minute of Civics is produced by WFHB in partnership with the League of Women Voters of Bloomington-Monroe County.